very much for joining me today on this third run of STEMcast. It is good to have you on board, listening in on friendly talks about trends and transformations happening in STEM learning, life, and work. Today, we meet One Young Bahraini Pride, the first fintech robot programmer in the country. She will walk us through her typical workday and the not-so-typical challenges she hopes to meet as she continues to make her mark in the digital space in Bahrain and beyond. Join me in welcoming our guest, Ms. Shayma Almir. Shayma, welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you today. So Thank let you me very start. much. I'm so excited and I really am glad that I'm part of your podcast. What does it feel like, you know, being introduced as the first robotics programmer in Bahrain? Uh, what does that tell you about, you know, the work that you've been doing? Okay, so um, first of all, um, I would like to point out one thing. Um, a lot of people would say that it takes a lot to become a robotics programmer. And I'm here to tell you that it's actually true. Uh, but one more thing, a lot might say that you need to be a really smart person to do that. And you must have been a geek during um, school days. But uh, actually, no, I wasn't that smart or a geek during school period. Um, my grades were not that high. I wasn't the, always the first at school. Uh, I used to struggle during school times. But when I entered uh, Bahrain Polytechnic, I got to understand what it actually means to have um, something to be proud of at the end of the day. And um, when, I, when it was actually, uh, almost time to graduate, I wanted to build a brand out of my name. I always wanted to have a presence within the community of my respective discipline. So here am I today, um, really proud and uh, really glad that I've joined Bahrain Polytechnic and had the opportunity to do the robotics programmer with the uh, Bahrain Islamic Bank. They've had a great impact on me, and I'm really, really, really proud that I've been the very first programmer in the Kingdom of Bahrain. I always wanted Bahrain to be proud of their youth. Yeah, 100%. So what I'm basically hearing from you is that, um, you know, university very much shaped who you are today and had offered you opportunities for you to be able to experience what is it that you love doing. Uh, so the question is, did you always know what you wanted to do at university or wh where has that interest or when has that interest sparked? Has it like, has it been through, you know, your childhood or did you discover it later on in life? I'm, I'm intrigued to hear. All right, so um, I used to study in Elnor International School and during that period of time, uh, my mom and dad, they used to force me to take um, uh, uh, certificates from the University of Cambridge because when I was there, um, our, uh, our exams used to come from the University of Cambridge. So along the way, even when I was in grade seven, I, I had the chance of taking other exams related to the IT field and my parents were always pushing me towards that. 
So ever since I was a kid, my mom and dad, they tried to get the IT thing inside me. But then when I grew up, I actually didn't know which path to choose and I didn't know what to be. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer, for example. But then um, my dad, uh, he, he started telling me, no, Shema, you should try studying IT, especially that he was working in the banking field. And I am assuming that he knew what would it be like uh, studying IT in the next few years. So I would say he saw that coming and um, he advised me to enter the IT field. Um, I was a little bit doubting that because I remember a lot of my friends were entering the IT field and then just dropping out. And I don't want to be that kind of a person. I wanted just to get things from the beginning. So I said I'd give it a chance uh, because I entered university a year before I actually should have been. So um, I entered the IT field um, at the beginning. It was kind of difficult, but it just interested me um, how to program and uh, the networking field was my, like, um, I really loved networking because I used to enter server rooms, play around with the cables, configure switches, routers, understand how security works. So. I got into that field much more and I graduated with a networking certificate. And I would say that was my, uh, that was how I entered the IT field. All right, so the, the question was for students listening in. So for all the students that are currently listening in, right? What exactly do you do as a data scientist on a day-to-day -day basis? And what skills does one need to have to be able to get into this field? Okay, so um, our work is characterized uh, by accuracy and sophistication, and it's not that easy to explain it in a few minutes, but in a simple and fast way, um, we use satellite images for the purpose of an analysis and extracting data from satellite imagery. And that is to implement several different projects that serve more than 21 governmental uh, agencies in the Kingdom of Bahrain. Um, for example, one of our current projects is detecting and predicting oil spills. Um, the NSSA laboratory created an, uh, an algorithm using artificial intelligence to detect um, and predict oil spills using satellite imagery. And this was one of the projects that we um, entered uh, into the Bahraini Women Hackathon and got the first place because of its importance in our region. Um, and about the uh, skills that a person uh, should need, I would say um, we would need a lot of problem solving skills uh, because being a, a data analyst, you're going to run up against problems, bugs every day. And being able to problem solve your way out of them is a key skill. And um, other than that, I would say, um, you, you do need the writing and communication skills because you must have the ability, the ability to communicate in multiple formats. For example, you will need to write, speak, explain, learn, and all this uh, is to show people what you actually did, the analysis that you did. You need to, at the end of the day, provide them with the reports and, or dashboards that you have done. And um, it's really, really, really important to learn how to clean data and prepare data. 
um, because it accounts for almost 80% of the work of uh, data professionals these days. And as they say, uh, data, uh, garbage in, garbage out. So whatever you feed your algorithms at the end of the day, that's, what, that's, the, that's exactly the answers that you're gonna get. Um, so even data analysis and exploration is one of the required uh, skills. It might sound funny, but it is really a skill. Uh, and it's really important to be a master within that skill. So I would say, yeah. Yeah, so you touched on very important things here. You know, you touched on problem solving and the importance of data. Now they say data is the new oil, right? Because if you have the data, you pretty much have everything. So I don't know what a typical workday looks like for you now. Are you currently working remotely or do you go into the, uh, to the office? What does that look like for you? And maybe if you can walk us through a typical day for you on the job. Currently, we work remotely because uh, with the COVID-19 or without the COVID-19, uh, being uh, part of the National Space Science Agency actually requires us to be uh, up to date with the technologies used. So we, most of the time, we also work remotely because um, as you know, it, uh, at the end of the day, we do need uh, the latest technologies. So, um, like I said, um, it's really difficult to tell you how exactly it works, but um, our job is to um, get satellite images, um, extract data, analyze them, provide them in the, in the format of a document or a dashboard um, or a PowerPoint presentation to serve people who actually needs the problems to be solved. So, we look into a certain problem, we investigate using satellite imagery, we extract the data, we analyze, and then we serve them to the 21 or more than 21 governmental agencies in the Kingdom of Bahrain. Nice, so there's no doubt that the work that you're doing is very important. Um, and maybe if we can go back a little bit to the time that you had participated in the, uh, I guess the creation of the first FinTech robot, right? So yeah. this, is, this is quite a marvel to say the least. And um, it's all about embodying innovative, digitized, and even interactive customer service. So what was the inspiration behind that particular project? Okay, so I'll tell you the story from the beginning. Um, it was the middle of August, 2018. I still, rem I still remember that. And all I could think of was a way of trying something new to escape my comfort zone. That if I dedicated the following three months to a unique project, I will be able to put myself at least two to three years ahead. So I headed to work highly inspired and motivated. Um, as soon as I entered Bahrain, uh, Bahrain Islamic Bank Innovation Lab, my eyes fell on the robot and I was fully determined that I wanted to take this uh, innovative concept and I wanted to actually program the robot and take it to a whole new level. Especially that we, we never had anyone program a robot or a humanoid robot specifically in the Kingdom of Bahrain. So that was my main motivation, I would say. Um, I kept, uh, I produced a project proposal. I pitched my ideas to two of my mentors at BISB 
and one uh, one of my mentors at Bahrain Polytechnic. So fortunately, after a week, um, all my mentors were uh, convinced and they signed my uh, proposal. And by the end of September, I was ready to begin my journey. Um, throughout my project implementation phase, I faced numerous challenges in terms of uh, lack of knowledge within the robotics field and system bugs. This setback led me, led me to investigate and perform a lot of research, including reaching out to experts outside of Bahrain and register to online courses. And I would say this has not only sharpened my technical skills, but also my interpersonal and employability skills. Wow, what can I say? Uh, it's, what's really fascinating about this is that you took it on as a challenge. And something that I always live by, and actually it's you know the philosophy in which I approach my life, it's start before you're ready, or hashtag S-B-Y-A-R as sure. an acronym. Yeah. And the idea here is that, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time. We just have to really take the leap, jump in and figure it out as, as it comes. Um, and so I really, I applaud you for, you know, for taking that risk on yourself, jumping in, even not having you know, necessarily the background, but learning along the way. And that's really, really important. I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but I feel like, you know, youth today, uh, even more so in the future, will have to be uh, risk takers. They will have sure. to be able to continuously learn. And so the, you know, the point that I'm getting out of this particular um, story that you shared with us is take a chance on yourself. Uh, you know, if, if, if you don't know anything in particular, ask for help. You know, there will be people yeah. and mentors out there to help you. And, you know, Find something that you're passionate about and delve in and, you know, get into a specific project that you're interested in and you never know what's going to come out on the other side. So that, that's a really awesome story to share with us here. Yeah, um, actually, I still remember it was it was a month before even submitting my project. I, I didn't know whether I'm go I was able to complete the project or not. So I was in a lot of doubts even during the period of the implementation of the project. But it was a really huge risk to take. But I would say it was absolutely worth the risk. Yeah, and it's paid off big time. And, you know, this is the yeah. thing, you know, like uh, whether, whether at college or, you know, even professionally or even with a business, you know, you will be met with a lot of resistance. You will be met with a lot of setbacks and doubts even amongst yourself. Can I do this? Are we capable, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But if you try to silence your doubts, if you try to keep going, you know, like little by little, like they say, you know, one step at a time, it, you know, it will amount to something large as it did with you. So, uh, it's it's really because you know I've read about your achievements, but it's nice to know the backstory. So uh, that's really interesting for me. So if we were to transition a little bit to talk about the pace of technology today, uh, you know we're living in a technologically driven world uh, right now with COVID. Everything is going virtual. What is your take on, you know, technology and education and how important do you think are human skills today? Um, would there be a time that, you know, robots are going to take over? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's, 
that's exactly the question that I keep on hearing every time. Um, so what I actually believe in, um, at the end of the day, even though we do have robotics, even though we, rely, we can rely highly on artificial intelligence and machine learning, we will need the human uh, interaction or the human Im input at the end of the day because um, we can allow artificial intelligence uh, and robotics work in parallel with the human, but that doesn't mean that they will take over. I mean, um, what we mostly use um, AI for is to basically allow them to think or analyze or provide us with the final outcome, whether uh, it was related to decision-making or whether it was um, providing us with the, let's say, statistics or whatever, whatsoever. Um, but at the end of the day, to validate this thing, we will need human inputs. So I believe that um, robotics will not take over human, but they will aid or they will help human along the way. So we can see them a lot. Um, for example, the robot that I, I actually did was um, for the Bahrain Islamic Bank, like I previously said, and it was a customer service. So the main point was that, or let's say the main issue that I was trying to solve was um, if we have a customer service going on, going to work every single day and doing the same routine job, the, the, the employee will not feel that they have something new. It's just a routine thing. He's gonna, go, he's gonna wake up every single day, go to his office and do the same job. There's no innovation, there's no, no new things to learn. So why not invest in robotics? Why not invest in the latest technologies and try to allow uh, or utilize these technologies um, to perform the routine job and allow the employees that we have to actually innovate and learn new things and implement new things. So uh, instead of having an employee going into job every day and just answering to customers' questions, why not have a robot do that and have the employees do another new things? So, yeah. You touched on something very important, and it was just yesterday that I was reading in one of the books. It said, and I quote, in a world that is changing so quickly in so many ways, the incredible value of a creative mind seems to remain constant. And I feel yeah. like that's exactly what you, what you did because, you know, as, as we continuously, um, you know, as, as technology continues to evolve, obviously going into so many different industries and sectors, while some of the jobs may be, uh, you know, gone and, or disappeared to, to robotics, but the new jobs are going to come into existence. And these new jobs will require, you know, creativity and imagination and a whole set of human skills that robots can't do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's great. And maybe if I were to maybe delve in a little bit deeper on this as to what you would consider are the factors that you would take into account when you're creating worthwhile human experiences. So you've had experience in the banking sector, but what do you think with regards to the different sectors out there, whether it's health, education, uh, or any other uh, industry? 
Okay, so if we talk about the medical sector, um, I was actually, um, after, after uh, completing my project with the um, banking sector, which was the Bahrain Islamic Bank, I went into the medical sector. I used to work in the um, Hamad bin Khalifa Cardiac Center uh, for almost six months. And being in that uh, area, I learned a lot about the health, uh, health aspect. So when I was even there, I noticed how they were actually investing in technology, investing in security. Uh, most of the technologies that they have been implementing were the latest ones and the state of the art. I also had the ability to um, develop a smart mirror for the um, hospital themselves. Um, the, the smart mirror was basically a project that allows um, patients to communicate with the outside world. Because um, when patients are usually in hospitals, they do feel like they, at a certain point of time, they would feel down and like there's no one to talk to. And that happens in some cases when patients are not allowed to have or use their phones uh, while being in the hospital. So um, it is very important to allow, to allow the patient to feel like they're communicated, they're, they're connected to the outside world. They still know what's happening around them. So the, the project that I actually implemented was, uh, it, it, had, uh, it had Alexa as, uh, for, for the voice. So they, used, they, they could communicate with the internet and try to understand uh, maybe a lot about their, um, um, the disease that they have or how to, get, how to easily get recovered and what are the symptoms or what best medications would serve them. Or they can also learn about any other stuff because it's always linked to, to the internet. So whatever they would ask, even if... Um, they wanted to know about what's happening in the space region. They would also know the answer to that. And um, it was sort of a screen that had um, a lot of information, their, um, their, heart, uh, their heart pulse, and um, it had quotes, motivating quotes, inspirational quotes. And it would make them feel better if they keep on uh, reading the quotes that appears um, within the screen. Other than that, there was Quran verses. So every every five minutes, it would change. And it would be so relieving to read what was there. And I specifically had to choose what, what would be best for them. So I would say um, in all areas, um, they're really um, looking towards the latest technologies and they're trying to implement them. Amazing. I didn't know about this initiative, so that, that's really great. <laughs> Thank you. I guess, I guess my question is, let's see, how am I going to put this? But it's with regards to like innovation and, you know, your mindset and the way that you approach problems. So where did you, where did you specifically learn this? Or did you have to teach it, teach it yourself? Like, did it, is it self-taught or was it, um, yeah, either a specific experience that you went through, was it schooling, was it university? But this mindset of, you know, I see a problem, but I also see an opportunity. How can I, you know, switch a problem from an opportunity? 
Talk to us a little bit okay. about that, that particular mindset. Okay, so I would say um, I got this mindset from Bahrain Polytechnic <laughs> because for every project we used to develop, we used to, we had to investigate what the problem was. So if you want your product or your business or your project um, to succeed, you will have to actually solve a real problem. You just don't go into a business and try to work on a business. You have to know what's lacking. You, you must to know um, what problem are you trying to solve? Who are your audiences? Um, and for how long would you want to serve your problem or your project. So this mindset has been taught from Bahrain Polytechnic and I'm really, really, really glad for the mindset that they have kept in me because um, I know if it wasn't for Bahrain Polytechnic, I wouldn't have reached anywhere today. And that speaks volumes for, um, you know, an, an educational system that is rooted in project-based learning or PBL uh, is very hands-on. It moves away from theory. It's more practical. And, and this is the kind of education that, you know, that we advocate for here on the, on the podcast, but even, um, you know, with my particular business, Clever Play and all the other uh, initiatives that I'm a part of. And so, you know, as a, as a fantastic and remarkable woman in STEM, uh, or, you know, I, I should call you a STEMinist now, what would be your message to girls and women out there who either are considering a career in STEM or who are, let's say, not sure if STEM is for them or, you know, uh, let's say, label STEM as something that only boys and men can do and not necessarily girls? What would, what would your message be to them? Okay. So um, I would like to highlight a point at the beginning. Um, when I first entered Bahrain Polytechnic and uh, the major of information and communication technology, I noticed that a lot of the people who were majored in this uh, specific field were men. But then uh, within the next two years, I noticed that a lot of females actually have been diverse towards the technological field. So, um, let me put this this way. Um, so a lot of people might think that science and math or STEM in general um, are for smart kids, but um, I don't actually believe that. Um, a lot of people might think that um, uh, majoring in STEM fields means that I have to study like 24 seven or I need to like not have a social life, but that's actually not true either. I mean, I'm the person who goes out and enjoys life, but at the same time, I know when, when to stop. Like, I know how to manage it. I can be serious and I can be fun. So I knew that um, when, I when I was pursuing my uh, robotics project, I knew that I will, I will be disconnected from my family. I knew that I will be disconnected from my friends. I would have no social life. And that was because I worked really hard within the three months of my implementation. And um, at the same time, I had 
because time was of a huge factor. So within three months of my project implementation, I had to learn two new programming languages. I had to integrate three different cloud services. And a lot of the robotics development included um, sensor configurations and embedding voice recognition. And all of these technologies were new to me. So the timeline was very tight, but I managed it. And I wouldn't say that I, I was enjoying it at that time, um, but learning the new things, learning how to embed all these technologies within a humanoid was really interesting. And I'm the curious type of person, so I want to know how things work and why they work the way they do. So, uh, like I said, I approached a lot of people outside Bahrain, and that means that the time difference was also uh, of a factor. So at, at times I had to wake up at 4 a.m. to check whether I've received any emails or not. So uh, long story short, um, never allow anyone to underestimate your capabilities and keep following your dreams. Even if you fail once, twice or thrice, you'll eventually make it at the end. And every single time you think of giving up, just remember why you started. So that was my motivation. And I always thought about it this way, or let me say my father actually made me think about it this way. He always used to tell me, it's never too late to start over. And grades do not, or school grades do not determine who you are. Work hard and companies or people will find you. And that was my motivation throughout the three months, I would say. That's a great takeaway message from your dad. And really that's a parental advice as well. Uh, a lot of parents out there, unfortunately, you know, they pressure their kids into thinking that standardized tests are, you know, the end all be all. And if, you know, if you don't do well in school, then you're not going to do well in life. But, you know, we've all been through the education system and we can say for a fact that, you know, while education has been valuable in many respects, my grades specifically did not necessarily translate into life, right? There are so many things that I had to learn outside of school. And so it's great to have, you know, a very supportive parent like your dad, who basically tells you upfront that grades don't matter so much and, you know, just keep putting in the work and you're, you're going to get recognized for that. So I applaud your dad for that thinking. And I think a lot of different parents have to listen in and really take his advice on that. So as our, as our time here comes to a close, I'm just, I want to wrap up with two questions. So one is, what's next for Shema? Okay, so what's next for me? Um, currently, um, I've been being a space data analyst within the National Space Science Agency. Um, the, the top management within the NSSA are trying to push their... Um, employees to train uh, in the best universities within the world. So I have currently finished one of my, um, 
one of my training courses in the University of Twente in the Netherlands. And um, it was regarding um, uh, geoinformatics. And um, I learned things related to space, how to acquire data and how to visualize them, how to visualize them in a form of a map and play around with the colors to allow the reader to understand the data that you have collected and uh, provide them with even analysis reports or um, work with an atlas. So um, I've also produced uh, within my um, course, I was supposed to create an atlas for the coronavirus and I decided to um, do it regarding the GCC countries. So this was the project that I took forward in Netherlands and I wanted to show them how our governments were actually ready for this crisis and how they handled things easily and tried to uh, control it very fast. And gladly and proudly, I'm here to say that I got the first rank in the Netherlands as well. And I will be working about, upon continuing uh, the later uh, the courses that are coming up to learn and excel in my current uh, position and to uh, make the Kingdom of Bahrain and the National Space Science Agency even more proud. Congratulations, and I have no doubts uh, in my mind that you will continue to do so. So that brings us much. to the final question, which is if you had, let's say, a STEM mission for your life, what, mm. would, what would that STEM mission be? Mm. That's a great question that I never thought of before. I think all STEMists and, you know, STEM enthusiasts should have a STEM mission specifically because this this particular um, you know this particular field is growing at an exponential rate and will continue to see mm -hmm. grow and so I really feel like having a mission is really gonna you know give you that extra motivation but also to have that sense of purpose as to why you do what you do so I'm very eager to find out what what your STEM mission is if you have one Okay, so um, from the top of my head, um, one, of the, one, uh, one of the missions that I actually aim for is to inspire and motivate students to pursue careers within the STEM field. So I've participated in a lot of uh, teaching uh, things, let's say, and um, I've been collaborating with um, Gifted Kids, the Ministry of Education, um, to, from, t from time to time to um, actually teach, teach the students, uh, elementary students, um, the purpose of STEM uh, and subjects related to space and technology and robotics. So uh, this is what I'm aiming for. I want to enlighten and engage family, educators, communities uh, to, to, um, to allow their students or kids to pursue uh, their fields within the STEM. There's no doubt that the work that you're doing is inspiring and empowering keep going because like you rightly pointed out we need a lot of people to get into stem and having you as a 
fantastic role model, not just for the girls, but generally girls and boys alike, uh, to be able to aspire and be like um, is no doubt a very important undertaking. So, you know, congratulations once again. We're proud of all of your achievements thus far, and we wish you the best moving forward. And like we say, onwards and upwards. Uh, before we wrap up, Shema, would you be able to share with our listeners, for those of them who want to connect with you further, where can they reach you on social media? Um, they can reach me on social media through my Instagram account, which is Shema Almir. There you have it. So thanks again, Shema, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much. That was Shema Elmir, a space data scientist and innovator. Be sure to subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time.